Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Hey, 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 hey. I had a, uh, listen, I had a really good prophetic word for pastor, but I'm going to save it for next year. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> just, uh, no, actually, pastor, I, I had a word for you. It was like I had this vision. I, I believe it was a vision from the Lord during worship. And uh, we're going to pray for your pastor. Okay? And even if he's not your pastor every Sunday, you're here tonight. So he's your pastor because this is his house. Amen? But, uh, I, man, I, I was in worship and I saw you, um, I saw God giving you a bigger sword. Okay, now I understand a small sword can do as much as a big sword, it's just how you use it. But I literally saw you getting a bigger sword, and I said, Lord, what in the world? Like, why am I seeing him receive a bigger sword? And the Lord said that, like, and, and this is what I wrote down. I said, Pastor Charlie, I saw you grabbing a hold of a bigger sword, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. He says, Ryan, I, I'm giving my boy, uh, 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 he's going to carry a weightier word in this season. There is going to be a stronger uh, word that God is going to let rest in your heart, and uh, He's putting it in your hands because He trusts you uh, to 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 carry the sword and to steward the word that He's giving you for this house, but also for the bride of Christ. And I saw you carrying away your word for the bride, and I saw you taking down an enemy, major enemies, and I saw this weightier, stronger authority resting on you in this season. Um, you know, I know authority is authority, but I just saw you growing in a, a greater authority. And I said, I heard the Lord say this, that you're not just coming back to a past, a, a past measure. You're actually bypassing a past measure. And God says, I am establishing a greater measure upon your life in this season. You've talked about, you know, coming back to more of the prophetic, like never before. And I just see you bypassing past measures. Hmm. And I just saw you stepping into a greater, weightier measure in this season. And I also see you stewarding properly. I, I saw God bringing you to things that maybe in the past you stewarded poorly. But God says you have a new mindset now. And I see you stewarding it properly. And I see things coming to the best place they've ever been because of that proper stewardship. But I also believe that you're going to challenge others, others who stewarded things poorly in the past to actually visit those things and, and actually steward them uh, properly so that they also can step into the best place they've ever been. Does that make sense? And uh, this was also for you and 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 mommy, mo mommy, yeah, mommy, mommy, no, <laughs> Mama Susie. Uh, but I heard the Lord say that this is a season for you guys where you're going to be grabbing a hold of things that once were out of reach. I just felt like this is a season that you're going to grab a hold of things personally. In this season, you guys are going to grab a hold of things that were at one point out of reach. And I felt like the Lord said that this is a season he bridges the gap. The, the chasm may have been really, really wide, but I feel like God is bridging that gap. And I see you guys crossing over uh, and really grabbing a hold of and holding on to. This is for you and Mama Susie, that you guys are going to grab a hold of things that at one time were out of reach. Whew. 
God wanted me to tell you guys this, that an untrained hand is a destructive one. And there was a season why he, there was a season and there was a reason why he had certain things stay out of reach because he was training your hands. But this is a season that your hand is trained and you will grab a hold of and you will pick up because he knows you'll steward it properly. You will actually grab a hold of what was out of reach. And the other thing that I saw in the spirit just or I heard from the Lord in the spirit was um, I, I really believe that this is a season that you guys are going to step into a place personally uh, that money couldn't buy. And, and when I say this, your marriage is great. I'm talking about other stuff. This is a season that you are going to have victories that money can't buy. And this is a season that God is going to shift some things for you guys. He's changing scenery for you guys in this season. There might be some things that you've looked at and you've wrinkled your nose at, but this is a season your eyes are going to be wide open and your face is going to reflect the brightness of this thing that's going to shine bright in your lives. And God says, I'm changing the scenery in this season. And the Lord says, you're no longer going to stand on a mountain and look from afar the promised land. This is a season you step into it. This is a season you step into promises that money can't buy. This is a season, who? this is a season, and I said this this morning, but the Lord said this rests on you guys right now. This is a season you eat the fruit because you patiently waited during the seed time. And this is a season you guys are going to indulge in grapes that need to be carried on the backs of others. This is a season of great and prosperous things coming upon your life, and you guys will grab a hold of but was out of reach. And I say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody. Before I jump into the word that I have for you guys tonight, there's a few things that I, I just need to go after real quick. Uh, I, I saw, first of all, this, was, this happened during um, office time with Pastor and, and Susie, but I, I saw uh, God changing, like, like uh, man, I... I I got to just say, I see God changing minds tonight. Maybe you planned on giving up or giving in, but the Lord is going to shift your mind by impacting your heart. I just want to pray for that. God wants to change some minds tonight. Maybe you came in here already making your mind up, and it wasn't God-ordained. Your circumstance set the course of your thinking, but God just wants to change the way you think. Because the Lord said this to me, watch, you project what you perceive. And there's a lot of things that you're projecting because of how you're perceiving certain things, and God just wants to change your mind. So if any of that applies to you, I just want you to lift up your hand just real quick. You just need a mind change. Come on. Father, I just pray right now that you would wreck minds by impacting hearts. Shift people's minds right now, Father. I pray for breakthrough in the mind right now. I pray for mind restraints to be broken. And I pray, Father, that if there's those who made up their minds based on a lie, Father, I pray you would change their mind by impacting their hearts with truth in the name of Jesus. Father, shift their minds, Father. Father, if it was a plan that they made their mind up to follow that wasn't you, I pray that you break it. And I pray, Father, that they'll make their mind up to follow you. And may your word and may your truth set the course of the way they think, what they project, and what they pursue. In Jesus' name, amen.
Mm, 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 mm. I just got to read this word that the Lord gave me for your house real quick, and I'm just going to just be a little calm so that you guys can get this. Okay, I'll preach in just a minute, but I heard the Lord say this, you guys have weathered the pains of the wilderness, but now you are stepping into the pleasures of the promised land. You have weathered the pains of the wilderness, but now you are stepping in. And I believe this is a word for the house. This is a word for those who are willing to embrace the process. Now you're going to step into progress. Those who didn't embrace the process, have you have, watch, when you made a decision not to embrace personal process, can I tell you something? You forfeited progress. You disqualified yourself from stepping into progress. But for those who have embraced the process, you're about ready to eat the fruit of progress. Is that good? And for those who haven't embraced the process, if you will, or the instruction, we just break off condemnation right now and shame, but may your hearts turn to the process because God wants to see you step in what he dreamt up for you. But I really believe that this is a season that the house is about ready to step into things that God dreamt up for you. You didn't dream up it on your own. You partnered with it, though. God finds great pleasure in you guys stepping into and him seeing you dance in what he dreamt up. And I believe this is a season this house steps in and dances in what God dreamt up for you what God planned, what God expected, what God desired, the course that he uh, set, the, the room that he prepared. I believe this is a season that Holy Spirit's ushering this house into things that you partnered with, but God dreamt up. But you have weathered the pains of the wilderness, but now that you, now you are stepping into the pleasures of the promised land, for you have come from the wilderness, and now you are stepping into the land of plenty. You were faithful over the little in the wilderness, but now, now is the time you will steward the plenty in the promised land. This is what God said to me, and I hope this makes sense. It made sense to me. I stewarded you in the wilderness, and in that I put in you what it is you would need for the promised land. I have and I will prepare you for the land. You are stepping in as a church, not just one, but the church is stepping into into a greater measure than what you longed for and lingered for. Oh, for those who have been thirsty, those who have been hungry, those who have lingered, now is the time you will eat, you will drink, you will see and taste uh, of my goodness in this season. So I'm just going to pray for you real quick. And then we'll jump into this word. Amen. Father, I just pray right now for this word to just be. Father, let it be. Father, let it be. Father, I thank you that you find great pleasure in seeing us dance and what you dreamt up. And Father, I thank you that this is a season your dreams come true, so to speak. The things you dreamt up, that you planned, that you ordained, Father, for those uh, uh, in this house. I thank you that this is a season that that, that they dance, that they party like never before in the things that you prepared for them. Uh, The Lord would have me tell the church, Jesus went and prepared a place for you guys, and this is a season that you inherit that land. You step into that place. Those who embrace the process will eat the fruit of progress, says the Lord in Jesus' name. And Father, we just pray that you let it be so. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, somebody. I like that. I like that. There's some glory on that. If you have your Bibles, and I know it's going to be on the screen because I gave the sister in the back the reference. If you have your Bibles, I just want to talk a little bit to you guys uh, on something that's going to be really fun. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, and I'm going to read one verse. Because tonight what I believe I'm going to do, I believe what God wants me to do is preach an an overview of the book of Ruth. Okay, so we're going to take a couple of touches here and there of the story or the book of Ruth. But I just want to read this one specific verse in the book of Ruth. That's Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. And this is what it says. I've got to get it myself. Okay, come on, somebody. I know it's probably up behind me, but I want to make sure that I read it for you. Amen. Amen. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, and it says this. It says, and I just want to tell you the end of the story, and then we'll talk about the beginning, okay? And I'm in Judges. I don't want to read Judges. That's a book I do not want to read. Good gracious. Not right now. (laughs) Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went in to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to to a son. Verse 14, I want to read this real quick. I'm sorry, I said one, but I'm going to do two. Then the woman said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. Tonight, I just want to speak a little bit on this topic, to dwell or not to dwell. And like I said, I just want to take a couple of minutes and talk about the book of Ruth. So here in the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 13, we see things end pretty well for Ruth, but that's not how it started. Okay? That is not how it started. And I just want to encourage somebody right now. For Ruth and Naomi, it ended with beauty, joy, and birth, but it started out with lost tragedy and tragedy and bitterness. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter how it starts. Can I tell you something? God is for you, and it's all about how it will end. And I love this. The very thing that ended in beauty and joy, come on somebody, it started out with lost tragedy and bitterness. Can I tell you something? I don't care how it started. Can I tell you something? It's all about how it ends. And I just want to prophesy over you right now, please do not think the ending, come on somebody, is going to be like the beginning. Come on somebody. The beginning may have been the enemy's best attempt to take you out, come on somebody, but your ending is all about how God's going to lift you up. Come on somebody. Oh, I don't care if you partnered with the enemy, partnered with his lie, and did something stupid. Can I tell you something? God is still your redeemer, and I don't care how it started. It's all about how it's going to end. Can I tell you something? You can have a beautiful ending because you have a good God. Come on, somebody. And yes, the enemy may have came against you, just like he came against Ruth and Naomi. But can I tell you something? His plans failed, and God's prevailed. Can I tell you something? The enemy's weapons may form, but they will not prosper. And I need to speak to somebody tonight just really, really quick. I believe there's some of you tonight, watch this, you believe the enemy's weapons formed and they prospered. But can I tell you something? What you are overwhelmed by is just the weapons forming. It didn't prosper. 
Because God's not a liar. And can I tell you something? It may have formed, right? And that's what you're looking at. And you think it formed and prospered. But all it did was form. It was the enemy's best attempt to take you out. But like we see with Ruth and Naomi, he tried to take them out. Come on, somebody. But can I tell you something? We just read the ending, if you will. He failed and it did not prosper. Can I tell you something? We're about ready to read and, and talk just a little bit about Ruth and Naomi's beginning. The weapons formed and it looks like they prospered. But can I tell you something? The enemy was not authoring. Come on, somebody. Their story. He was just a part of it. Can I just tell you that? He didn't author their story. Come on, somebody. He was just a part of their story because God was ah, orchestrating and authoring the story. Can I tell you something? Submit to God, resist the devil. He may have been a part of your story, but watch this. He's not just going to have a part in your story on how he attacked you. He's also going to be a part of your story about how he fleed and how he was terrorized by you and the God that is for you. I just prophesy over you guys right now. You may have been submitting to God, seeking God, and believing God to move. And God is and will move on your behalf. And I promise you, the enemy that was terrorizing you is about ready to run in terror. Come on, somebody. The enemy's not authoring your story, but he's going to be the fool in your story. Come on, somebody. Watch this. The enemy wants to convince you that he is authoring the story and you're going to be the fool. But man, if God be for you, who can be against you? God authors your story. And I promise you, just because it started bad doesn't mean it's going to end bad, baby, because God's good. Hmm. God says, I'm going to make the enemy a part of your story, not just the attack, but he says, I'm going to make him look like a fool in your story. Can I tell you something? You're about ready to see God show up in his glory, in your story, where your story promotes his glory. Come on, somebody. Woo! Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something? Sometimes the enemy, God lets the enemy to attempt to do something to show you how stupid he is, how frail he is, and how non-prosperous he is. Sometimes the enemy, he, God lets the enemy mess with you with his stupid plans to show you that he's great, God is greater in you and that you are greater and you have authority over the enemy. Can I tell you something in Ruth's story? Can I tell you something? There was things that were brought out of her and she was brought into things. And it was because the enemy was, watch this, coming after her. But the very thing that was coming after her to stop her became a catalyst to promote her. Come on, somebody. Mm. We see here in Ruth chapter four, this will not remain because watch this. They didn't remain in a bitter place that he passed through a bitter place, but they at the watch, they obtained a victory that remained. And sometimes we just need to get ourselves to a place where we say we will not dwell in this land, but we will dwell in the presence of God forever. I will not dwell in this mess. Come on, somebody. But I will dwell forever, eternally in God's desire. 
Can I tell you something? They were temporarily, watch this, in something that God was displeased with. But can I tell you something? They ate of the fruit eternally. Come on, somebody. They dwelt in, they remained in the very thing that God dreamt up for them. And I prophesy that over you. Maybe you're in a bad place right now, but can I tell you something? It's temporary, but God's going to promote you to eternal things. Mm. Can I tell you something sometimes? Because watch this. Some of the worst things happened to Ruth and Naomi and their family. And, and some, maybe you're in that place where some of the worst things happened to you. But let me just tell you guys this. The worst thing that has happened to us, God can and will use as the best thing for us. And we read that in Ruth chapter 4. Come on, somebody. We'll read here, or we'll talk about, I should say, in Ruth chapter 1, how Naomi's husband dies, two sons die, and they, they, but before her two sons die, they pick up Orpah and, and Ruth. So now when her sons die, she has two widows in a foreign land, Moab. They left Bethlehem to go to Moab. Her husband dies, and the reason they even go to Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Moab, is because of a famine, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. They're going in search for food, and they have to go to Moab, and 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 her sons pick up two Moabites. Come on, somebody! They die. Now she has to handle these two alone. Can I tell you something? It was the worst thing that probably could have happened to her, but God used it to bring out some of the best for her and Ruth. The worst thing that has happened to us, God can and will use as the best thing for us. So let's just talk about this real quick. In Ruth chapter 1, we read in the first verse, and we don't have to turn there, but it's in the era of Judges. So you have the book of Judges, right? They're being ran, the, the places are being ran by Judges. It's not really good. And Naomi and Ruth, watch this, they are right smack dab in the midst of a negative era. Naomi is in such a negative place. Like I said, she's in Bethlehem. They have to leave Bethlehem to go to Moab to try to find food. But we read in Ruth chapter 4 how their whole era, their whole place, their whole life shifted into something great. Can I just prophesy something over this church? You guys are about ready to experience an era shift. There is shifts. There's an era shift coming to the body of Christ, coming to the nation, coming to the world. And can I tell you something? They right now were in the era of judges. Come on, somebody. They themselves, Ruth and Naomi, were probably in predicaments where they thought God was judging them. But then God, through Boaz, redeems their situation, and they shift into a new era. Can I just prophesy something over you? You guys right now might be in something where you feel judged, but I prophesy you're about ready to experience an era shift. Come on, somebody. God is going to shift you into a new, fresh, anointed, powerful era in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Does that make sense? But watch this. Naomi and her family, they head from Bethlehem to Moab in search of food. I've already referenced that, but I needed to repeat it for this. I'm just going to break down this story for a little bit. Sometimes you must shift where you are to get the substance that you need. Come on, somebody. I just like to be a topographical kind of whatever type of preacher. And let me just say this. Sometimes, watch Naomi and her family, 
They head from Bethlehem to Moab in search of food. Sometimes you must shift where you are to get the substance that you need. Let me just share some nuggets with you. Sometimes you must leave what you want to get what you need. Mm. Sometimes you must shift positions to get the right perspective. Sometimes you must shift position to get a better vantage point. <laughs> Sometimes you must shift positions to get the provision. And that's what they had to do, man. It was probably uncomfortable and hard for Naomi and her family to leave Bethlehem, their home, the place they built. But can I tell you something? Watch this. It gets uncomfortable when God's shifting you. God will stir you to shift you. Hello? We said earlier today, God will sift you and shift you. But I need to tell you this. He will stir you to shift you. He will make Bethlehem so uncomfortable that it propels you to go to Moab because in Moab is where it's food. Come on, somebody. Watch this. This is what the Lord had me write down. You done ate up all the resources that this present and past season had to offer. Now it's time to move on. There's a famine in Bethlehem, but there's food in Moab. And some of you are settling for Bethlehem and you're anorexic and people can see your bones. It's because you got an emotional tie to Bethlehem. But God says, I'm going to make it so uncomfortable where you are so that I can push you out of where you are and lead you to where you need to be. You might not want to be there, but you need to be there. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it's easy to be in a relationship where those people pet your ego, but that's not what you need. What you need is you need to be stirred and you need to put yourself in relationships that challenge you and break you and humble you. Because watch this, Bethlehem is a place that might pet your ego, but it's Moab that will feed you and will grow you and will mature you through humility. Mm. Are you guys okay? Because watch this. I got to say this again. You donate all the resources up that that present or this present or past season had to offer. And now it's time to move on. Just just like, like think about Elijah sitting by the brook, drinking water and being fed by ravens. But eventually the brook dries up. The raven stops bringing food and it propelled him to the widow. Can I tell you, some of you, in this season are going to be stirred because you are so fed and so fat in the things of God. And there's widows that are in debt and all you want is to be fed. But God says, I'm not going to feed you the way you were fed before because I'm going to use that absence of food to stir you and go and be a provision for somebody and not just get fat for yourself. Does that make sense? See, sometimes God will cause the brook to dry up and the raven to stop giving you food because it's not time to eat, it's time to feed others. Sometimes you must change what you do to get what you want because where you are is not working. Stop trying, come on somebody. 
Chop, stop trying to resurrect a horse that's dead that you rode in the past and go get yourself a new colt. Go get yourself a new horse. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you must change what you do to get what you want because, <laughs> hey, because where you are is not working. I can keep going, man. I, I, I will get your credit card number. But anyway, <laughs> just... Watch this. Watch this, y'all. You'll never see what you could be. I got to just say this real quick. I hope this is making sense. It's all about leaving Bethlehem and going to Moab. Because watch this. You'll never see what you could be if all you do is obsess over what was. Or who you were. Well, I remember when. I remember when. I remember when. And all you're doing is looking at what was, turning your back to what could be. The enemy, watch this, wants your butt to be turned towards what could be. And he wants you to obsess over what was. Mm. <laughs> your present will never reflect what it could if all you do is reference your past and what was. There was new memories. There was things to be made in Moab. They couldn't be distracted by Bethlehem. Because watch this. She had sons that were not only going to get fed, they were going to get wed. Can I tell you something? There is things in Moab that you need to wed. Come on, somebody. But you got to first break up with things in Bethlehem. Did you hear what I just said? There is things in Bethlehem that you got to break up with because there's things in Moab that you got to marry. Come on, somebody. And a lot of us in the church like to date, but we don't want the commitment of marriage. We like to, watch this, find pleasure in dating God, but man, God is stirring us to actually commit to him in Moab. Come on, somebody. Hey. Mm. Can I tell you something? The title of this message is to dwell or not to dwell. We got to refuse to dwell in Bethlehem when God is stirring us and convicting us and compelling us to Moab. I got to move on. So they get to Moab. Naomi and her husband dies. We know sons die. Now Naomi has two widowed daughters, daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. I almost said Oprah. Orpah. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Watch this. Naomi says, okay, I got to return back to Bethlehem. She knows she has, and I say this respectfully, she has two foreigners. She knows we'd have a difficult time going to Bethlehem. Okay? And watch this. <laughs> she tries to talk her daughter-in-laws into staying. And she's like, man, you know, you should really just stay here where you are. Can I just tell you something? Worry tries to act like it really knows what it's talking about. Did you hear what I just said? Worry tries to act like it really knows what it's talking about. Can I say this? Watch this. Can I say this? Worry, you got to listen to me because God's going to say it. 
Worry tries to act like it really knows what it's talking about. Worry projects a false future forecast that looks right. Did you hear what I just said? She's trying to forecast out of her worry, out of her fear. She's trying to forecast to her daughter-in-law it's going to be bad. It's going to be hard. Worry always projects a false future forecast and it believes it's right. Worry projects a false narrative that usually never comes true. Did you hear what I just said? Worry tries to project a false narrative that usually never comes true. And I love this because Orpah is like, you know what? All right, I'm going to stay. But Ruth said, watch this. Ruth said, no way. I'm with you the whole way. Can I tell you something? We need to have Ruths in the church that say, you know what? I'm not going to play safe. I'm not going to dwell there. I'm not, I will not dwell here, but I will dwell wherever the Lord is. And wherever the Lord wants me to go, I'm going to go. I want that kind of commitment, man, where I'm not following a person. I'm following him. And I don't care where he takes me, come hell or high water, I'm going to follow him. And I know he'll see me through. But can I tell you something? Let me just say this. My question is, who are we going to be in the church? A Ruth or an Orpah towards God, but also towards one another. Can I tell you something? Naomi was about ready, watch, to dwell with Ruth, but she wasn't called to dwell with Orpah. Can I tell you something? Sometimes God will call you out of a relationship because God is leading you with someone that you are called to. Come on, somebody. Not everyone can go where you're supposed to go. Norpa was not ordained or anointed or called or convicted or propelled or compelled to go with Ruth. Not everyone, and Naomi, not everyone is called to follow you where you're going. Can I tell you something? There's going to be Orpahs that would love you to stay where you are. But man, you need to get some Ruths that will push you to where you need to be. Can I tell you something? Sometimes there's relationships you want to dwell in, but you got to say, you know what? All you're doing is holding me into Moab when God says that was a season, but now I'm bringing you back to something or I'm bringing you to something. And you don't need no Orpah relationships that try to keep you in Moab. You need to have Ruths that say, I will follow you and also hold you accountable and push you to where you need to be. You need to have relationships that don't tell you what you need to hear. You need to have relationships with people that tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Got to move on. Ruth's loyalty. This is what I think is crazy. This is what Boaz is taken by in the future here in Ruth. But but Ruth had loyalty to Ruth. Um, Ruth had loyalty to Naomi. And this is what the Lord said to me. Ruth loyalty was admirable in difficulty. Can I tell you something? It's easy to commit to the plans of God and follow him wherever you want. He wants you to go and everything's good. But can I tell you something? When things get difficult, are you going to be loyal? Are you going to be devoted? Are you going to be committed? Because it's not always sunshine and rainbows and daisies and good smells. Sometimes it gets nasty. Sometimes it gets ugly. And sometimes you want to hold back when God is pushing you forward. Are we going to be like Ruth and be loyal in the midst of adversity? Or is adversity going to cause us to disconnect to the plans of God? Hmm. 
And I tell you something, I, I just got to say this. It is hard to see beauty when you're in the thick of difficulty. But let me encourage you, pain will fade and the beauty will come in and remain. Mm. crazy because there was a lot of difficulty in Naomi's life. And I just got to say this because Naomi and Ruth go on their journey, but Naomi ends up changing her name to Mara or M-A-R-A. -A. I, I guess that's how you say it. Mara, Mariah, whatever, Mariah, whatever. And it means bitter. Isn't it crazy? She took on the, watch, she took on the identity of her surroundings. Her situation shifted her identity. What was happening to her shifted how she viewed herself. Mm, pleasant. Come on. She went from pleasant to bitter because of her circumstances. Her circumstances shifted her identity. What's it? <laughs> she shifted her identity. Hey, I started with the bitter now, you know, <laughs> but she shifted her identity. Situations should not shift your identity and how you view yourself. Sometimes circumstances come against us and we question who we are in God. If God is good, why is this happening to me? Can I tell you something? You're asking yourself the wrong question. You actually are looking at it a wrong, the wrong way. Instead of asking a question, why is this happening to me? You should make a statement. I am so dangerous and so unpleasant to the enemy that he's trying to inflict me with what I've already inflicted him with, and that's bitterness. You should be making a statement that the enemy is coming against me because of who I am. Come on, somebody. But she lost sight of who she was. Come on, somebody. Because of what was happening against her. Maybe you should say what's happening against me is because of who I am. And the enemy's terrified of me and trying to bark me off the porch. But I refuse to get off the porch. I'm going to keep on knocking on the door until that door comes flying open. Watch this, watch this. I think it's crazy because <laughs> Ruth goes on to look for food. She goes to a field. It's a barley harvest. Isn't it crazy in the midst of their struggle, they tasted and Eight of a harvest. Can I tell you something? Some of you are about ready to experience a harvest in the midst of your tragedy. And you're about ready to taste the succulent tastes of harvest in the midst of your bitterness, and it's going to change your attitude. She goes and search for food, and she ends up at this barley harvest, and all of a sudden she's grabbing some food for her. Ruth is with for Naomi and them, and all of a sudden, she lays her eyes on Boaz. They start conjuring up a conversation, find out that Boaz later on is re related to Naomi, and he can become the kingsman redeemer as he thought, and there was someone else in line, and then he didn't want to do it, and he becomes the kingsman redeemer. I'm just going to give you the ending of the story. 
But I think it's crazy because whenever she meets Boaz and they realize, oh my gosh, Boaz could be our Kingsman Redeemer by, you know, marry me, Ruth, and, 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 and just help us, prosper us, redeem us, redeem our situation. Her and Naomi, Ruth and Naomi, start having this conversation. And I love this because they're like, okay. Because watch this. Ruth at the time is wearing garments of a widow. Wearing garments of a mourner. Her, her appearance wasn't pleasant. Naomi changes her name to reflect her surroundings. But Ruth had already changed her appearance because of her surroundings and her situations. But she starts talking to Naomi. Naomi and Ruth start having this conversation. And then all of a sudden what happens is Ruth says, you know what? I'm going to start changing my appearance. And it was due to her longing for Boaz. What are you trying to say? She shifted from the situation putting a wardrobe on her to a person putting a wardrobe on her. You know, the Bible says that we are called, come on somebody, to put off our former conduct and to actually put on Christ, come on somebody. I don't know about you, but I want to change my appearance for him, just like Ruth changed her appearance for Boaz. I want to so long for him and be a pleasure to him and I want to honor him. I want I want him to be I want to be a pleasure in his eyesight. I want come on somebody to be a living sacrifice where the aroma of that sacrifice comes up to his nostrils as a sweet smelling aroma. Ruth changes her appearance due to her longing for Boaz. She starts changing her identity for him because of him not because of her circumstance. She changed her appearance because of her circumstance. She went from sexy to wearing widow's clothes. But then all of a sudden she shifts back to sexy because her affection was for Boaz. Pastor Charlie is your pastor. You've heard more than just sexy, but come on. Watch this. She Watch this. I love this because Ruth shifts from mourning to pursuing. I don't know about you, but I want to pursue Jesus. When she started pursuing Boaz, things were broken off of her. When you start pursuing Jesus, there is things that are broken off of you and it changes and alters your appearance. Come on, somebody. Come on. Don't take no more money. But anyways... What? Listen, listen, listen. What you said was two fifty. What you just said is two fifty. That makes five. Okay, so I saw what you took. But anyways, do you know what I think is crazy? Watch this. Their watch their difficulty, their starvation, their lack drove them to seek out food, and they ended up watch this getting more than barley. Can I tell you something? The assignment that you're on may not make sense until you converge with what was waiting for your obedience. Watch. (laughs) The assignment you're on may not make sense 
until you converge on what was waiting for your obedience. Mm. Can I tell you something? I love her loyalty in the midst of difficulty. She had loyalty and she had difficulty. But you know what I think is crazy? Hidden in the path of her loyalty and hidden in the path of her difficulty was Boaz. Can I just preach and prophesy to you? There is a Boaz that is on, hidden in the path of your loyalty and devotion to an assignment. And also that Boaz lays on the path or is hidden in the path. You're a reward, a blessing. Lays hidden in the path of your loyalty, your devotion, your obedience, but also lays in the path of your dis, watch this, your difficulty. Now watch, almost done. She then asks them, of course, has to ask Boaz, hey, listen, will you be our Kingsman Redeemer? That, that's a humble question. You know what the Lord told me? I said this to Pastor Earl a couple days ago, but I'll say it now. A humble question always exalts a profound answer. A humble question always exalts a profound answer. James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will exalt you in due time. Sometimes we're not exalted into what we need because we won't humble ourselves and ask the question that is needed. Mm. That's a good one. <laughs> Last thing I want to say, two more things I want to say. Oh. In the midst, thank you, sir. In the midst. Of all of this, she lays her eyes on Boaz. We're talking about Boaz and her now, Ruth and Boaz. And you know what I think is crazy? She lays her eyes on something that God wanted her to. Can I tell you something? I said this on a video yesterday, but i got to say this now. There is, and I think I said it this morning, there is things that are just waiting for to see its reflection in your eyes because you've laid your eyes on it because you sought him. So not only on the path of your loyalty and your difficulty is hidden a Boaz, in your seeking, you find revelations and you lay your eyes on things that will redeem your soul, redeem your heart, and redeem your life. And it's hidden in his heart and it's discovered by those who are willing to seek his heart. What I think is crazy is Boaz and them get married, and this is what I think is awesome. They get married, and in that place of intimacy, something is conceived. I love this because in the place of intimacy, we are engulfed in the presence of God, and that's when the things we need and the things we want are conceived. I don't know about you, but I don't want to seek Him for things. I want to seek him for him. And when I seek him for him and I'm drawn into his presence, his presence 
penetrates my heart and conceives what he wants and it's what I need. She married him for Boaz. And in the intimacy with Boaz, she conceives a son that ends up becoming the grandfather of David. Can I tell you something? It's in the place of intimacy with God that he conceives in you the things that will make a major impact. Can I tell you, I asked a group of youth not too long ago this question, and I'll just ask you guys this question. Does our problems draw us to Him? Or does our passion for Him draw us to Him? Watch this. Kevin asked me a, a question about complacency, and this is one of the things the Lord showed me. When you make prayer about an answer or provision, Once you receive that answer or you receive that provision, you become complacent in your prayers. But when you have it, make it about a passion for Him and to know Him, knowing He's endless, your prayer life will not be rendered complacent. It will always be stirred to want more and you'll always go after more and you'll use prayer as a vehicle to get Him and to know Him. So when you use prayer about, watch, when you use prayer and you make prayer about knowing Him, you'll never become complacent in your prayer life as quickly as you would if all you do is use prayer to get something from Him. I don't know about you, but I want to be married. I am married to God, but I want to be in intimacy with the Father. And again, it's in the midst of His presence and being intimate with His presence that He penetrates my heart and conceives the things that He wants that I need. I love when Mary goes to wash Jesus' feet. She didn't make it about what He could do for her. He made, she made it all about what she was going to do to, for Him. My question is, do, or do we draw to Him for what He can do for us? Or do we draw near to Him for us to just minister to Him and we know He'll minister to us? That's what may, This is Ruth and Boaz's relationship, and I want to have that kind of relationship with the Father. Does this make sense? The last thing I want to say is this, is Boaz comes into her life and changes her life and heals the situation. God loves to answer your questions and He wants to solve your problems. But what does it look like, first of all, i got to say this, what does it look like to have this problem? I don't know Him like I should. That's a problem that God loves to solve. He wants to penetrate your heart and your mind with revelations of who He is so they can revolutionize your life. People have asked me, what is God doing in the church today? The greatest thing that I think, and I can't get off of it, the greatest thing that I believe God is doing or wants to do is bring us to our knees, to His feet. And not be Martha and be chasing all of the stuff that is in His presence. Where we just become a Mary and sit and gaze into His eyes 
And without him uttering a word, we just know the thoughts that he has for us and we get caught up in this love interaction with him. And it's in this place of intimacy that God strikes us and heals us. Isaiah chapter 19, I believe it's verse 22. I believe it's verse 22. It talks about God striking Egypt and healing it. I don't know about you, but that looks like for me a manifestation of his power and a manifestation of his love. Healing me, who doesn't always have it together. Because sometimes we want it to be Israel, but a lot of times we could be like Egypt. And it's in that place of intimacy that God strikes us, changes us from Egypt to Israel. God is drawing the church to a place of intimacy with him. Where did we lose the affection of getting lost in his eyes? getting lost in him but when you get lost in him you really find out who he is and it will completely pregnate you and change your life like when Boaz knew in Naomi stand with me all over the church if you can Let me just encourage you guys with this. I'm not saying we'll not prophesy right now, but I love prophecy, but this is what the Lord's been showing me. I want I want to create a called a bridal chamber for the husband and wife, whatever the Honeymoon suite. You know what I mean? I don't mean this in a perverted way. Okay. But like, when, they, when, when Ruth made it about Boaz, and they got married, he knew her. She knew him. And it was in his presence that she conceived what she probably wanted and what she needed and what a nation ends up needing. I already said this, but i got to say it again. Seek Him and you'll get engulfed in His presence. And in His presence, He'll conceive in your heart. He'll penetrate your heart and conceive in your heart, in your life, in your finances, in your mind, what it is you need. So can we just create an atmosphere up here? Like if you want that, if you're like, God, penetrate my heart tonight. <laughs> Manifest in me what you need, but right now I'm going to come up and make it about you and I'm going to interact with you. And I believe God's going to fill this place more with his presence, and it's in his presence that he'll penetrate hearts and minds and situations and pregnate you with his desires. Does that make sense? I don't mean that in a weird way, but it's an intimate knowing him like that. Does that make sense? So if you want that, I don't even know what this is all going to look like. Uh, if my sister could in play and we could worship a little bit, awesome, and she wants to be a part of this, Whatever the pastor wants, <laughs> we'll do. But I just feel like we need to go into a place of worship and just step into his presence. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And I really believe 
He's going to penetrate your hearts with personal prophecy in this place of intimacy and even healing and breakthrough and whatever. So if you're here, you just want to engage with this, come up right now. Just come up right now. And again, this isn't a weird thing. This is going to be good. God, I love you. Oh. Mm-hmm. Honey, I don't know if you know this song, but come up, come up, come up, come up. And, and if you know it, words but not piano, you can just sing it a cappella. But this has been a song I've been stuck on right now. And, and like, listen, some of you, like, what are we doing up here? I believe this is a place where we're going to just be penetrated by something with God. For some, it's going to be a healing. For some, it's going to be a revelation. For some, it's going to be just a touch, a fresh strength, a fresh hope, a fresh peace, a joy. I feel like God right now is breaking the bonds of depression right now that has been gripping your souls. So I say that now in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I've been stuck on this song. Can we just live? I'm not going to try to make this an emotional thing, but can we just lift up our hands? I don't want an emotional experience. I want an interaction with his presence. So, that, so, so let's make it that, okay? But just lift up your hands. And there's a simple song. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. And it's just, I exalt thee. You know what I hear the Lord saying? It's what he said to me in New Hampshire. Ryan, promote my name, not prophecy. Lift me up. Lift me up. So right now, it's a song I exalt thee. Can we just sing that to the Lord right now? And I just feel like he's going to inhabit our praises. And I just feel like he's going to penetrate our hearts in this place of intimacy and pour into us what you need personally. Hi. Come on, sing it. Get intimate with him. Come on. Come on. I exalt the romance him. Come on. He's romancing you. Sing it again. Come on.
Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.